Chapter 12, Fresh Water to Drink. Pa had made the bedshed. He had smoothed the oak slabs till there was not a splinter on them. Then he pegged them firmly together. Four slabs made a box to hold the straw tick. Across the bottom of it, Pa stretched a rope, zigzagged from side to side and pulled tight. One end of the bedstead, Pa pegged solidly to the wall in a corner of the house. Only one corner of the bed was not against a wall. At this corner, Pa set up a tall slab. He pegged it to the bedstead. As high up as he could reach, he pegged two strips of oak to the walls and then to the tall slab. Then he climbed up on them and pegged the top of the tall slab solidly to the rafter. And on the strips of oak, he laid a shelf above the bed. There you are, Caroline, he said. Oh, I can't wait to see it made up, said Ma. Help me bring the straw tick. She had filled the straw tick that morning. There was no straw in the high prairie, so she had filled it with dry, clean, dead grass. It was hot from the sunshine, and it had a grassy, sweet smell. Pa helped her bring it into the house and lay it in the bedstead. She tucked the sheets in and spread her prettiest patchwork quilt over them. At the head of the bed, she set up the goose feather pillows and spread the pillow shams against them. On each white pillow sham, two little birds were outlined with red thread. Then, Pa and Ma and Laura and Mary stood and looked at the bed. It was a very nice bed. The zigzag rope was softer than the floor to sleep on. The straw tick was plump with the sweet-smelling grass. The quilt lay smooth, and the pretty pillow sham stood up crisply. The shelf was a good place to store things. The whole house had quite an air with such a bed in it. That night, when Ma went to bed, she settled into the crackling straw tick and said to Pa, I declare I'm so comfortable. It's almost sinful. Mary and Laura still slept on the floor, but Pa would make a little bed for them as soon as he could. He had made the big bed, and he had made a stout cupboard and padlocked it so the Indians could not take all the cornmeal if they came again. Now he had only to dig a well, and then he would make that trip into town. He must dig the well first so that Ma could have water while he was gone. Next morning, he marked a large circle in the grass near the corner of the house. With his spade, he cut at the sod inside the circle, and he lifted it up into large pieces. Then he began to shovel out the earth, digging himself deeper and deeper down. Mary and Laura must not go near the well while Pa was digging. Even when they couldn't see his head anymore, shovelfuls of earth came flying up. At last, the spade flew up and fell in the grass. Then Pa jumped. His hands caught hold of the sod. Then one elbow gripped up, and then the other elbow, and with a heave, Pa came rolling out. I can't throw the dirt out from any deeper, he said. He had to have help now. So he took his gun, and he rode away on Patty. When he came back, he brought a plump rabbit, and he had traded work with Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott would help him dig this well, and then he would help dig Mr. Scott's well. Ma and Laura and Mary had not seen Mr. and Mrs. Scott. Their house was hidden somewhere in the little valley on the prairie. Laura had seen the smoke rising up from it, and that was all. At sunup next morning, Mr. Scott came. He was short and stout. His hair was bleached by the sun, and his skin was bright red and scaly. He did not tan. He peeled. "'It's this blasted sun and wind,' he said. "'Beg your pardon, ma'am, but... It's enough to make a saint use strong language. 
I may as well be a snake the way I keep shedding my skin in this country. Laura liked him. Every morning, as soon as the dishes were washed and the beds were made, she ran out to watch Mr. Scott and Pa working at the well. The sunshine was blistering, even the winds were hot, and the prairie grasses were turning yellow. Mary preferred to stay in the house and sew on her patchwork quilt, but Laura liked the fierce light and the sun and the wind, and she couldn't stay away from the well, but she was not allowed to go near its edge. Pa and Mr. Scott had made a stout windlass. It stood over the well, and two buckets hung from its ends of of a rope. When the windlass had turned, one bucket went down into the well, and the other bucket came up. In the morning, Mr. Scott slid down the rope and dug. He filled the buckets with earth, almost as fast as Pa could haul them up and empty them. After dinner, Pa slid down the rope into the well, and Mr. Scott hauled up the buckets. Every morning before Pa would let Mr. Scott go down the rope, he set a candle in a bucket and lighted it and lowered it to the bottom. Once Laura peeped over the edge, and she saw the candle brightly burning far down in the dark hole in the ground. Then Pa would say, seems to be all right, and he would pull the bucket and blow out the candle. That's all foolishness, Ingalls, Mr. Scott said. The well was all right yesterday. Well, you can't ever tell, Pa replied. Better be safe than sorry. Laura did not know what danger Pa was looking for with that candlelight. She did not ask because Pa and Mr. Scott were busy. She meant to ask later, but, well, she forgot. One morning, Mr. Scott came while Pa was eating breakfast. Then he heard him shout, Hi, Ingalls, it's sunup, let's go. Pa drank his coffee and he went out. The windlass began to creak and Pa began to whistle. Laura and Mary were washing the dishes and Ma was making the bed when Pa's whistling stopped. They heard him say, Scott, he shouted, Scott, Scott. Then he called, Caroline, Caroline, come quick. Ma ran out of the house. Laura ran after her. Scott's fainted, or something's down there, or, Pa said, I, I have to go down after him. Did you send on the candle? Ma asked. No, I thought he had. I asked him if it was all right, and he said it was. Pa cut the empty bucket off the rope and tied the rope firmly to the windlass. Charles, you can't. You mustn't, Ma said. Caroline, I've got to. You can't. Oh, Charles, no. I'll make it all right. I won't breathe till I get out. We can't let him die down there. Ma said fiercely, Laura, keep back. So Laura kept back. She stood against the house and shivered. No, no, Charles, I can't let you, Ma said. Get on, Patty, and go for help. There isn't time. Charles, if I can't pull you up, if you keel over down there and I can't pull you up, Caroline, I've got to, Pa said. He swung into the well, his head slid out of sight, down the rope. crouched and shaded her eyes, staring down into the well. All over the prairie meadow, larks were rising, singing, flying straight up into the sky. The wind was blowing warmer, but Laura was so cold. Suddenly, Ma jumped up and seized the handle of the windlass. She tugged at it with all her might. The rope strained and the windlass creaked. Laura thought that Pa had keeled over down in the dark bottom of the well, and Ma couldn't pull him up. But the windlass turned a little and then a little more. Pa's hand came up, holding the rope. His other hand reached above it and took hold of the rope. Then Pa's head came up. His arm held on to the windlass, and somehow he got to the ground and sat there. The windlass whirled around, and there was a thud deep down in the well. Pa struggled to get it up, and Ma said, Quick, sit still, Charles. Laura, get some water, quick. Laura ran. She came back, hurrying, lugging the pail of water. 
Pa and Ma were both turning the windlass. The rope slowly wound itself up and the bucket came up out of the well and tied to the bucket and the rope was Mr. Scott. His arms and his legs and his head hung and wobbled. His mouth was partly open and his eyes half shut. Pa tugged him into the grass. Pa rolled him over and he flopped where he was rolled. Pa felt his wrist and listened at his chest and then Pa lay down beside him. He's breathing, said Pa. He'll be all right in the air. I'm all right, Carolina. I'm plumb tuckered out is all. Well, Ma scolded, I should think you would be. Of all the senseless performances, my goodness gracious, scaring a body to death for all for the want of a little reasonable care. My goodness, I... She covered her face with her apron and she burst out crying. That was a terrible day. I don't want a well, Ma sobbed. It isn't worth it. I won't have you running such risks. Mr. Scott had breathed a kind of gas that stays deep in the ground. It stays at the bottom of wells because it's heavier than air. It cannot be seen or smelled, but no one can breathe it for very long and live. Pa had gone down into that gas to tie Mr. Scott to the rope so that he could be pulled up out of that gas. When Mr. Scott was able, he went home. Before he went, he said to Pa, You were right about that candle business, Ingalls. I I thought it was all foolishness, and I would not bother with it, but I found out my mistake. Well, said Pa, where a light can't live, I know I can't, and I like to be safe when I can be, but all's well that ends well. Pa rested a while. He had breathed a little of that gas, and he felt like resting. But that afternoon, he raveled a thread from a tow sack, and he took a little powder from his powder horn. He tied the powder in a piece of cloth with one end of the toe string in the powder. Come along, Laura, he said, and I'll show you something. They went to the well. Pa lighted the end of the string and waited till the spark was crawling quickly along it. Then he dropped the little bundle into the well. In a minute, they heard a muffled bang, and a puff of smoke came out of the well. That will bring the gas, Pa said. When the smoke was all gone, he let Laura light the candle and stand beside him while he let it down. All the way down in the dark hole, the little candle kept on burning like a star. So next day, Pa and Mr. Scott went digging the well, but they always sent a candle down every morning. There began to be a little water in the well, but it was not enough. The buckets came up full of mud, and Pa and Mr. Scott worked every day in deeper mud. In the mornings, when the candle went down, it lighted oozing wet walls and candlelight sparkled in the rings over the water when the bucket struck bottom. Pa stood knee-deep in water and bailed out buckets full before he could begin digging the mud. One day when he was digging, a loud shout came echoing up. Ma ran out of the house and Laura ran to the well. Pull, Scott, pull! Pa yelled. A swishing, gurgling sound echoed down there. Mr. Scott turned the windlass as fast as he could, and Pa came up climbing hand over hand up over the rope. I'm blamed if that's not quicksand, Pa gasped as he stepped onto the ground, muddy and dripping. I was pushing down hard on the spade when all of a sudden it went down the whole length of the handle, and water came pouring up all around me. A good six feet of this rope's wet, Mr. Scott said, winding it up. The bucket was full of water. You showed sense getting out of that hand over hand, Ingalls. That water came up faster than I could pull you out. 
Then Mr. Scott slapped his thigh and shouted, and I'm blasted if you didn't bring up the spade. Sure enough, Pa had saved the spade. In a little while, the well was almost full of water. A circle of blue sky lay not far down in the ground, and when Laura looked at it, a little girl's head looked up at her. When she waved her hand, a hand on the water's surface waved too. The water was clear and cold and good. Laura thought that she had never tasted anything so good as those long, cold drinks of water. Pa hauled no more stale, warm water from the creek. He built a solid platform over the well and a heavy cover for the hole that let the water bucket through. Laura must never touch that cover, but whenever she or Mary was thirsty, Ma lifted the cover and drew a dripping bucket of cold, fresh water from that well. <laughs>